This is the Blue, White and Yellow podcast from Leeds United Live, giving you the in-depth analysis on all the big talking points from Ellen Road. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first edition of the Blue, White and Yellow, a Leeds United podcast. At last, we have got this going. <laughs> it's been a while in the making, fellas, hasn't it? Um Listen, we've spoken, as I said, we've spoken about doing this for a while and we just want to provide a particular insight. I'm joined by Joe Donoghue and Baron Cross, uh, the Leeds United writers, and I'm really excited for this one. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time in the works. It's been a long time in the planning. Um, but yeah, looking forward to, to to getting some regular Leeds United chat out on the airwaves and and uh, with, 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 with my two best mates at Leeds Live. What, what could be better? Oh, best? I didn't know that. I know. Did you know that, Baron? Yeah, Joe and I regularly <laughs> meet up. We, uh, May seventeenth, we were straight down the boozer together. <laughs> kind of want to make this Eurocentric, so general Eurocentric because it's my favourite competition. Baron, do you like the Euros? For the World Cup. Um, really? Oh God, yeah, absolutely. And and the Euros has become so bloated now, hasn't it? With twenty four teams, and there's this sort of weird third place qualifier thing. It's just. It was so much easier when it was 16 teams, four groups, straight into a knockout. Um, but, I mean, it's more football, I suppose. I shouldn't really be complaining about more football, but it just means it's probably not going to get going properly until the knockout rounds, I would say. A yeah. purist, I think there's a bit of conflict there between between you and Connor. Because Connor, before we started recording, he was saying that, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of this this Euros in particular because it's been so long... <laughs> It's been so long since we had one, five years since we were all singing Will Griggs on fire and whatnot. Oh. And now it's yeah. now, now it's finally here and you're pouring cold water on his dreams. I agree with that. I agree with the fact that it's, it's highly anticipated, given it has been five years and you know, Will Griggs on fire, what a lovely summer that was. Um, but it's just it's just the fact that they've, they've added in all these teams. I mean, let's be honest, Alioski shouldn't be there, should he? North Macedonia. <laughs> North Macedonia should not have qualified the for the yeah, uh, brilliant. Well, as we, we will get on to Alioski in a little bit, but fellas, we can finally breathe on an absolutely chaotic season involving Leeds United. I mean, you've both been writing for Leeds now for a long time. Um, I mean, how are you feeling after that? It's been a nuts season, hasn't it? I mean, it was, yeah, it, it was enthralling, wasn't it? It was just, you know, every game seemed to be just incredible that the, the the intensity that Leeds played at and you know the I think that I, I quite enjoyed the whole burnout narrative you know just being completely completely myth busted towards the end of the season um you know no defeats in the last 10 or 11 um it was just it was very enjoyable football and I think the culmination of the final day with Berardi and Pablo uh, getting their send off and you know those 8,000 supporters being back in the stadium I think it was yeah I was quite I was quite pleased with I mean, quite pleased. I was overjoyed with how the season went because, you know, ninth place, challenging for Europe up until the final day. How how can you complain with that after, you know, 16 years out of the out of the big time? It's just been, yeah, a real a real joy, I think. It's been spectacular. I mean, it feels like we're, we're sort of just repeating ourselves, isn't it? Because we've been saying this for weeks now. Um, and we, I mean, I suppose we'll be the first podcast because there's not that many Leeds United podcasts, is there? Um, <laughs> so I'm sure we'll be, we'll be among the first to, uh, to pass comment on the season. But... Um, it's been, yeah, it's been magical, hasn't it? It's been a massive shame the fans haven't been in there. I mean, that's been the, the big takeaway. And I know that's that's obviously a massive regret for everybody involved. That, that It had to be the Leeds way, didn't it? You know, Leeds had to wait all that time to get promoted. And then when they do go and get it done, they can't quite then and have it their way, if you like, you know, missing out on the actual 
title lift last season and then to come into this astonishing campaign with so many highs along the way. Was there a particular highlight for you, Connor, that, that kind of stood out? Was there a, a moment where you were just sat there, eyes rolling into the back of your head, falling off your chair, scrambling for another beer? Hmm. Yeah, that Man United game, I had several beers, I think, the first one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, think, I think just generally, it was, the whole season was just magical, wasn't it? I think the Leicester game in particular, I don't know what it was about that game, I think just how resolute we were, and you really saw the character of Leeds United at that point in time, and it really edged through for me. I thought we were just fabulous that game. It was, it was, it was a complete performance for me, and just how we ended it as well. You know, it was just yeah, a fabulous result, and um, we really we turned it round as well. I mean, Ellen Rowe, when we played Leicester, we just got battered, didn't we? We got we just couldn't deal with it. And that second game, there was just so many modifications. I thought to that Leeds United side, just mentality as well, and it just showed the the development of the side. And yeah, I I, I just thought it was yeah, brilliant, absolutely brilliant performance. But yeah, uh, one thing I wanted to touch on as well, fellas, yesterday some great news go up. A lot of, I guess it's a it's debate, isn't it? A lot, and this is what this show is going to be about as well. A little bit of debate, but Tyler Roberts getting a, a new contract, three years, twenty twenty four. JD, are you happy at that? Are you happy with that? Sorry, um, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say that happy is maybe the right word. I'm pleased. I'm pleased for for Tyler. I think you know. I think he's he's a it's a shrewd move. I, and I said this on Twitter yesterday when the news was announced. You know, he's twenty two years old still. He's at that point in his career where where Calvin. Um, was at the same age when Bielsa yeah. took over, so you know I think he's still very young. Um, you know he's he's a player with with I think he's definitely got potential. It's just he hasn't been able to realise it yet in his in his listed position. You know he joined as a striker, centre forward. He's been played as an attacking midfielder predominantly, um, and you know I, I don't think I think you know you've got a 22 year old Welsh international on your books. You've got a 12 months left on his contract. The, the smart thing to do is to protect his value. And, you know, over the next three years, he's got the opportunity to just focus on football rather than having to worry about, oh, you know, I've, I've got eight months or I've got six months left on this deal. I need to do something to prove to, to prove myself, to, to earn one again. So, um, yeah, if, I think it would have been a lot more, a bit, a bit more of a difficult conversation it would have had if he hadn't kicked on towards the end of the season um, because I was, I was quite impressed with him. Um, that that mini sort of makeshift partnership that that he had with with Stuart Dallas um, in the uh, in in the back end of the season when they were in central midfield together as those two number eights, I was quite pleased with. Um, but yeah, I'd, all all in all, all told, I'd say it's, a, it's probably a shrewd move. He's he, so far he's been a squad player. I think he'll continue to be a squad player. But um, they're the sorts of contract extensions you, you need to make. Yeah, you, are you fully expecting him to rip up the Euros then, Baron? If he can play, um, I've not thought. I, mean, I can't say I'm a, I'm a massive Wales aficionado. Um, <laughs> I mean, Wales hate England, don't they? I mean, you saw how they celebrated when we lost to Iceland at the last Euros. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and say I'm looking forward to Wales winning the Euros. Um, I mean, is it eventual? Is it is a possible eventuality? Well, I mean, <laughs> does Gareth Bale fancy it? How many golf courses are there in Azerbaijan? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see if Roberts even plays. I mean, like I said, I'm not, I'm not particularly au fait with with Robert Page's. Uh, is it is it Robert Page? Is that his yeah, name? That's the that's the lead guitarist of the. Yeah, um, yeah is that his I name? I think it's Rob Jimmy Page. Page. No, is it not? Ro- I Robert, think it is Rob Robert Page. Plant. So Robert Plant oh, is yeah, the lead Robert singer, Plant. yeah, yeah, yeah. Zeppelin, yeah, yeah. and Jimmy and Page. Rob, so it's, it's so do you reckon, his, do you reckon his parents like Zeppelin? Probably, yeah, probably a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. 
that's really thrown me. I'm pleased you're on the same wavelength. I think of Robert Page. I'm sure he's a musician. Yeah. It's like a yeah, it's an amalgamation. Yeah. So um, yeah, so Rob Page, obviously covering for for Ryan Giggs for obvious reasons. I don't really particularly know how Robert Page likes to play football. It feels really weird saying Robert Page. I'm going to say Rob Page. <laughs> keep them going to break into Stairway to Heaven or something. Um, yeah, I don't know how they're going to play. Um, but if he does play, then yeah, good luck to him. He's he's a perfectly great guy. You know, came across really well. We spoke to him from Azerbaijan on Tuesday ahead of the contract news. And, um, you know, he said all the right things about Leeds. Of course, Leeds is in his heart. I don't think he's going to get a better offer than a a top half Premier League side. I mean, that that's the kind of status Leeds have got now. Um, I think he probably is intelligent enough to know that this is all a part of the process. As you say, Joe, he's, he's not going to be starting matches when everybody's fit next season. I think everybody would love to see the team move forward. And if anything, maybe put another body between him and the first team, as, as harsh as that sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you say, you know, 22, it's so easy to forget how young he is. You know, he's in the same age bracket as the likes of Melier and Stroik and we consider them babies, don't we, in the Leeds team? Yeah. And, and we give Melier a lot of passes because of how young he is. And, and, how, and he's not going to, Melier's not going to reach his peak for 10 years, which is, is quite staggering. Um, but Roberts, of course, is a part of the project. There's more than enough there to know there's potential. You know, none of us are going to say he's a finished article. None of us are going to say that last season was a cruise for him. Four months without a start, you know, from, from starting the, the first City game. Ellen Road. He didn't start again until Wolves away, deep into February, um, and that was a really, really tough, tough period for him. And I think a lot of us were well aware that there was plenty of interest, at least in January. I don't know if, if Tyler himself was ever saying he wanted to go, but there was certainly interest there because it was pretty obvious that he wasn't in the picture. You know, he was he was barely scraping matchday squads, let alone getting on the pitch. So he he has certainly improved. You know, he finished the season strongly. Like we said, he had, he had a streak of twelve starts until he got dropped at Burnley. So there's there's plenty there that Bielsa clearly clearly likes. I mean, that's the main thing is we have to trust Bielsa on these decisions, don't we, Connor? I think his opinion trumps all of ours. He sees these guys training day in, day out. Who's to say Roberts is not an absolute world beater in training? Because he looks like he could be that kind of player. You know, when the pressure's off, he's clearly got a trick in him. He's he clearly can dribble. I think, yeah, Roberts, I, I'm yeah, I'm pleased that he's got that that addition, um, the additional three years. But it ultimately I saw a lot of comments when when the deal was announced, you know, um, that people sort of being unconvinced but happy about it because they think that if Bielsa sees something, then they they trust him implicitly. You know, they trust him to to show that, you know, there's there there is a player in there and that he can that he can unlock it. And I suppose, you know, we can talk about it till the till the cows come home, but you know, if there's going to be any coach who's going to get the best out of a young player, it's going to be Bielsa, isn't it? You know, he did, he's he's done it for not just young players. He's done it for the likes of Stuart Dallas, Luke Ayling, um, even Liam Cooper to an extent. You know, Calvin Phillips is obviously the, the standout one. But, you know, he's he's done it with all, with all these players at Leeds. The pedigree is there. I think I, I, I've got no reservations about him about him staying. It's not as if we're giving a, a, another three-year contract to Union O'Kane or Wazim Boy or somebody like that who just has not been in and around the, the first-team picture for, for God knows how long. But yeah, it's I think it's a, a, a an in Bielsa we trust time. Yeah, you're right, mate. I mean, it's it's a pretty even split. It's 14 starts, 13 sub appearances. Just looking at the numbers here, 11 players played more minutes than Tyler. He did squeeze out more time on the pitch than Rodrigo, Urente, Costa, Cock. Uh, and obviously the likes of Shackleton, Hernandez and Paveda. So he's sort of, he's at a halfway pass. But I think like you've alluded to there, I think one of the main reasons is because he actually didn't get injured that often. You know, he actually he actually had a pretty good injury record by his standards last season. He had, he had COVID, of course, across 
I think it was it was around January time because he didn't go to Crawley, did he? I think the Crawley game would have been an obvious one for Tyler to play and he didn't feature either there or at Spurs. Um, so he, he certainly, Bielsa likes him, evidently, um, because because of how much he, he has played towards the end of the season. Um, but like you say, it's more for potential, isn't it? Um, I don't think when everybody's fit, Tyler Roberts is going to be somebody that's going to get you into the top six as it stands. But, you know, in, in five, six years' time, yeah, there's no saying how good he could be. I mean, there is there is absolutely potential there to play with. Right, guys, I'm interested to get your Euro opinions because obviously we're recording this on the Thursday, so we will have missed the weekend games. But who's your outside pick? Yeah, I mean, I could massively sit on the fence, couldn't I? And just sort of, I'm looking at the odds list now and I think... Um, Portugal are probably like the lazy man's dark horse, aren't they? Like you, you basically go down. Who, the, who are the sixth or seventh favourite? Oh, it's Portugal. Very um, nice. You can't be going with Portugal as a dark horse. They're one of the favourites, surely. Well, I mean, you've got, you've got France at 9-2, and then you've got <laughs> England, Belgium, Spain, Germany, Italy, and then Portugal. So, I mean, to be fair, Portugal are on the same odds as Germany and Italy. So if you're, if you're going to push me further down the list, God, there's not much to choose from, is there? Is uh, is Avicii Rolich still playing for Croatia? Can he do a no, job? I think he's in. I think he's in his forties now, so you know, <laughs> might be pushing it. He's not quite a Hakan Suka. He's not. Uh, he's not playing on until his Teddy Sheringham years. Oh yeah, Dav Davor Suka, come on, Davor Suka, come on. Oh yeah, Golden God, yeah. Were you born in '98? Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, okay. <laughs> what a tournament that was, by the way. Um, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to have the insight that JD has got, so I'm I'm basing it on the odds and historical knowledge. I mean, Johan Cruyff, Netherlands, that's got to mean they've got a shout, hasn't it? I mean, if Johan Cruyff's from the same country as, as the Netherlands, then surely they've got a chance. Um, no, I mean, you do look at it. I mean, Netherlands historically, but then I think I try and like think about the, the nuts and bolts of the squad as as JD has just done with uh, with Denmark and, and the Netherlands haven't really got anyone anymore, have they? I mean, Depay. I mean, I don't think of Depay and think, oh yeah, they're going to win the tournament. Um, Modric can only do so much for Croatia, and then I mean, like you say, mate, you jump from Denmark at 28, then Poland are the next at 66 to 1. I mean, there's an absolute chasm from Poland downwards. Um, so I mean, I mean, if you're not, if you're not going to let me have like Portugal at 8 to 1, then yeah, I'll probably, I'll, I probably will have to go for the Netherlands, but I don't think they'll win it. So I don't know how I'll go for Poland then, Lewandowski, yeah, true, just, just, just to basically outscore a few teams on the way. He's not had a bad year, has he? What a player! What a player! I mean, Something it's quite. Yeah, I mean, not in vogue are these sort of the older players. I mean, I play a lot of football manager. I'm sure you do with your with your stats head, and you don't really go and looking for sort of players over 30 do because no. there's no sell on value. But you look at his numbers. I mean, you're not going to ca- catch a money ball side going after a Lewandowski. Um, but you can't argue with his numbers, can you? I mean, mm. he's just. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, he's had pretty much one of the best seasons of his career, if not the best. Yeah, I think he matched Gerd Muller's record for um, for sort of most goals in a league campaign in in Germany, which is just obscene considering how much. I mean, considering how far how how much the game has developed since Gerd Muller's day. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's incredible. Yeah, we've had a we've had a bit of breaking news on the podcast on the Thursday, which will be very out of date by the time people hear it. But um, Urente, our uh, our esteemed Spanish colleague, it was a false positive apparently. Ooh. So his, his COVID test was so. Um, our, our esteemed colleague Joe Mewis tells me if he returns another negative test, he's back in training from tomorrow, which which will be Friday. So um, of course, by the time people listen to this, um, 
that'll be old news. But hopefully, in the future, Diego uh, Diego returns another negative and is back in the back in the fold. Because I mean, I suppose Connor, you're going to come on to this, but I mean, we are we are rooting for our lads, aren't we? Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. I think I think it's a it's quite a nice uh, segue, really. I mean, we've got a fair few there. To be fair, <laughs> got Click Poland, uh, Cock Germany. Coops is with Scotland, Roberts, Wales, Calvin with England, Janny with North Macedonia, Rodrigo potentially for Spain, and obviously Llorente for Spain, which is great news. We've got a, we've got a fair few there. I mean, <laughs> I was gonna, I said this at the start, didn't I? Which uh, Legion United player are you most excited to see on the European stage in front of the world? Who are you most? I'm going to go with Alioski. It can only be Alioski, can't it? It's just just... Alioski, it'd be funny, won't it? You'll have a zany moment. You'll have an Alioski moment, and the the world will either hate him or they'll fall in love with him. So I just hope he gets through. I he's gonna he's gets. gonna do, he's gonna nut Ronaldo or something, isn't he? He's definitely <laughs> gonna be a story. <laughs> On the career end, Cristiano Gianni. Um, but yeah, I think we've got a, we've got a, a fair few. I mean, I mean, on a sort of realistic standpoint, I think I was very very excited to see Llorente. I mean, he's had a wonderful season with Leeds, fully. Um, fully deserves his place in the Spanish squad, and he's just just looked exquisite. I mean, do you um, you sort of share that, JD? Yeah, I think the the fact that Luis Enrique, the Spanish manager, he um he he named a twenty four man squad instead of a twenty six initially before this whole COVID crisis for them, um, was because he wanted to to call up players very very Bielsa like actually the, the the only the players that he would be using. You know, he didn't want to bloat out the squad with with players you know hanging around not not having any real chance of actually playing football. Um, and obviously, Llorente was in that initial 24. And that's because he thought, you know what, I've, I, I can trust him. And that's despite some some naysayers in the Spanish press. It's despite some people saying that, I don't know, some guy called Sergio Ramos should be in the squad ahead of him. Um, really? Well, exactly, yeah. He plays for some team called Real Madrid, you know, um, Super League fodder, you know, yeah, a bunch of, bunch of time wasters. But um, the Llorente's in there on, on merit. And yeah, if he can return that second negative, I'm really, really hopeful that he can be, um, he, he can have some real minutes on the pitch because there's a real chance that I think, you know, we were talking about dark horses and favourites and whatnot. Spain, you know, you look at, I mean, they haven't got past, I think, the round of 16 since they won the Euros in 2012. So they've got a point to prove. Um, you know, there's been quite a few tournaments there where they've underperformed. Um, so... This, the pressure is. They're in my sweepstakes. I'll keep talking about that. Well, I mean, you want you want to hope that they they don't return any more positive tests. Otherwise, you'll have Spain's under twenty ones playing at this tournament. So, yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm I'm hopeful because he deserves it after the year that he had, and you know, and then you know, following that up with those eleven or twelve games when he was he was absolutely impeccable. So yeah, I'm 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 hopeful. I'm hopeful for 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 our Diego. I am. Yeah. Do you think, Baron? Do you think any of them are going to start? Aside from Alioski, who I think is going to be a mainstay. Obviously, we've got Roberts, Rodrigo, Click, Cooper, Durante. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, Joe probably does know more about this than I do, but I mean, I've I've not looked into like their their lineups for the past six months or so, so I couldn't say for certain. But I mean, again, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Click starts, doesn't he, for Poland? Um, yeah. If we if we're talking about people most excited to see, I think Click's probably up there. To be honest, I think his his cultured passing game really could suit an international tournament quite well if he's kind of a bit more time on the ball. Um, he's on the is in the ascendancy, isn't he? Obviously, Bielsa let him so basically leave Leeds early. Was finishing the season pretty well. Obviously, that gorgeous goal at, at Turf Moor before he um, before he did his farewells. So I'm quite looking forward to seeing Click play really because he I think he is pound for pound one of my favourite Leeds players to be honest with the way he plays. The fact he wears number forty three, he's a bit out there. He's a little bit different. Um, he, he's actually he's very very um, 
charismatic. You know, when you talk to him in interviews, he does he does try to to say something a bit different rather than the normal platitude you, you might get um, traditionally. I've just seen Roberts's Wales is number nine, which is pretty good. I mean, that's that's got to be filling in with a bit of confidence being uh, being Wales is number nine. Um, but yeah, I mean, Alioski's going to be interesting, isn't he? Um, and uh, yeah, Urente. I mean, sure, surely Urente has got to get in there. I know Paul Torres is very highly thought of, but I mean, is it does it come down to basically Urente or Albiol? Al- Albiol's been called up as part of the the six reserves along with I Rodrigo. See. Okay, um, so he might. I mean, he might get he might get into the final squad, but um, yeah, it's like Urente, Paul Torres, Eric Garcia. Laporte's in there. I've just seen. Uh, and, wow. uh, yeah, obviously Laporte. Yeah, um, wow. so. That that is the um yeah I, I think if you were one in two players who were quite similar you've got Pau Torres and, and Laporta quite similar so I'd imagine that it's one or the other with them and Enrique's got some strange like liking for for Eric Garcia which I'm I'm not fully believing in but um there's there's a chance that I think Garcia will probably play um so I think it's anyone's guess really I think the the preparations have been thrown into thrown into um. A bit of trouble with that, so it's anyone's guess what they'll the, what they'll line up with in that first game against Sweden. Isn't it strange that um, that Enrique would play Garcia ahead of Laporte, and Pep's basically bombed Garcia out of the Man City squad? Um, but even better if Urente starts ahead of both of them. I mean, imagine that Urente starting ahead of Laporte. I mean, that's a massive Some shot, on the arm, isn't it? If yeah. what Leeds have got on their hands, who do you think will get the furthest? Out of all our teams, out of all the, the boys that we have in the teams, who do you think will get furthest? Obviously, we've got Spain there, haven't we? We've got Germany. Calvin's got yeah. a great shout. Calvin is 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 the the highest of the Leeds players in terms of odds. Um, and then you've got Urente and Cock. Um, and I mean, they're the three, aren't they? Really? I mean, of course, if Rodrigo gets in, and Ben White, of course, he's a Leeds player. So Ben White and Calvin <laughs> would um, would be the two. God, Brighton fans have been all over, haven't they? Since Ben White said I wasn't made. Last season, the Brighton fans have been all over it. It was strange to see Dallas not come in for Trent as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean he's so versatile. I mean, I'm sure he can do a job. I mean, we know he's we know he's got a second nationality for England. So, <laughs> just realistically, and we have got to have our realistic hats on here and try to think with our heads and not our hearts. But how far in general do you think, JD, that that England will get in this tournament? I'm coming to you with with you know that that level headedness that you have. Well, level-headed cap on. I think that the semi-finals are bust. It has to be because this is one of the most talented squads that there is there. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any sort of discord between the the squad members, like you might be getting with France, with sort of Kylian Mbappe, Olivier Giroud, Karim Benzema. Um, I think it has to be. You have to be looking at the semi-finals because three teams potentially getting through the group stage. You know, I mean, not not getting through the groups. That's a disaster. I mean, it's not. It doesn't even bear thinking about. But after that, you you know, to to win a major international tournament, you have to beat good teams, and you're going to come up against them. But the thing is, you know, I think sometimes we approach international tournaments with a bit of intrigue around who the other sort of the, the more continental favourites are. But other teams will be looking at England and going. You know what? They've got a real chance this time around because look at all these players. You know, you you, you saw the the comparisons, and I know the the genesis of the reason, uh, the genesis of why um, Jack Grealish was asked about this was was something completely different. But when the Italian journalist was comparing him to Francesco Totti, you know, that's <laughs> I mean, you think about the, uh, the the sort of the the hipster culture around sort of Totti when he was still a player at Roma in, in this country, and can, you know, can you imagine? Play, at, at that time, um, you know, Italian journalists and Italian fans kind of fawning over somebody like Jack Grealish and Aston Villa playmaker. You know, this this team has got strength in depth and it has it in droves. 
So if not this tournament, I think one of the next three or four tournaments in the next seven, eight years, England have to win one because it's, you know, it would be an embarrassment and it would be a failure if not because the talent is there. And that's that's me being level-headed as well. Yeah. Do you think there's, just on that, JD, do you think there's one player who, who just has to start, in your opinion? It's Calvin Phillips, isn't it? Just to, 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 to yeah, boil the blood of all these pundits that uh, have been saying that they don't really know what he does. And it's like, well, I mean, have <laughs> have you watched any of any of Leeds this season? Or have you just kind of read the columns that have been written about how this team run quite a lot and they also concede a lot and they score a lot? There's a reason that, that Leeds have been so, so lo- looked, a, 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 not so lost, but a little bit lost without Calvin um, when he hasn't played. And... The fact that he's there on merit, yeah, absolutely, he's, he deserves to be there. But in terms of a, an, an attacking player that has to has to start for me, um, I have to go Jaden Sancho. Now, Phil Foden and Jaden Sancho are roughly the same age, 20 or 21 years old. Um, Jaden Sancho has been doing what Phil Foden has for six months, for two years at Dortmund. And I know people might say, oh, the Bundesliga is a, a lesser league or whatever. It's not that much of a drop-off. And also... You've got last season, I think he had over 30 goal involvements in 34 games, like 15 goals, 15 assists. This year he had 20 goal involvements. Like He's consistently done it and he's done it in a foreign country, playing in a team which is you know highly transitional, which if England have got the, the setup in, in, in knockout games where it's going to be to absorb a little, little bit of pressure, play for the set pieces, play on the break, then Jane Sancho is your man. Yeah, I mean, I think, like you say, I mean, Joe obviously watches a lot more of the Bundesliga than I do. And I think that's probably the biggest thing I've, that's my blind spot with England is the people talking about Sancho. And I just can't say I've got an opinion on him because I've not seen enough of him. So it'd be unfair just to say, oh, yeah, Foden by default. Because um, I've not seen enough of Sancho. So I have to take what people say um, with the weight that it's due because they've, they've watched him play. And if, if Joe is saying that he's been on Foden's level for two years, then that's got to be a massive. Um, shot on the arm for him and, and his chances. But, I mean, do, do you feel as though... I mean, I've just just this morning caught a glance of this, this Sterling issue that, that, of course, has been been a problem for City for, for a little while now. And um, does Southgate look to put an arm around him by playing him and playing him through the bad form? I know that Shearer at Euro 96 is a, is a great example of somebody who went into a tournament completely out of form and Venables just basically played him through it. And, of course, he then went and, and won the golden boot at Euro 96, didn't he? So... Southgate is a very, very intelligent guy. You know, anybody that's read his bit on the Players' Tribune will know he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows how to manage people. He knows how to manage personalities. We saw at Russia just what he can do with that group of young players. So it's going to be fascinating, but it is an embarrassment of riches. And, and like Joe has said, it's. Very, I mean, I suppose it's a bit like a, a domestic um, club fan as well. You always think that sort of other teams are better than yours, don't they? You sort of fear the worst. You're always pessimistic about, you know, you always pine for other other clubs' players. And as an England fan, you look at it and think, oh, yeah, you always just put foreign countries above England because it's that fear of, of the unknown, I suppose. And you look at the play, like you say, Benzema, Griezmann, Mbappe, and you think, oh, God, we've got no players anywhere near that level. But like you say, on a, on a world sort of level, as it were, other countries look at England and think, look at how many players they've got, the attacking riches they've got. I mean, you're going to have the likes of, let's say you do start Sancho, Kane and... I don't know, would it be Rashford, Foden or Sterling for the spot? You think you're going to have the likes of Grealish on the bench. And, I mean, Grealish has been so good. I mean, I don't know where Joe stands on Grealish, but, I mean, I'd be so tempted to start Grealish. He just changes games. I I think, yeah, he does bring something that none of the other players do in that he just cannot stop carrying the ball into Mm. dangerous areas. And, I mean, especially in tournament football, 
you know, when games can obviously be quite fraught in the final 10, 15, 20 minutes, you need a player who can do that. I mean, we all love a counter-attacking goal, but I mean, when you need, when you, when you come up, coming up against a defence who sit deep and you've got somebody who can dribble into spaces, maybe get fouled on the edge of the area, just adds so much, so much difference in, in that, in that final attacking sort of phase. Um, I just, yeah, I, I think he's a fantastic player. We thought we'd just put a little segment in the podcast. It's We recorded on Thursday and it is now, what day is it, Jade? It's Monday. And we thought we had to have a segment in about our boy yesterday. So I hope you enjoy this anyway. Baron, the part-timer, is not here. Um, but we thought we'd discuss Calvin Phillips's performance yesterday against Croatia, which was truly phenomenal. I was so proud of him yesterday. It was great to see the whole sort of country just realise what Leeds United fans have been waxing lyrical about this guy for the past two, three years. The mad thing was, JD, everyone was like, oh, I didn't realise he could play higher up. What people don't realise is before Bielsa, he kind of was an eight, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he was. It's. I think it was quite quite funny that the position that he originally was, um, you know, the position that he would never have had a look in at, for, you know, playing for playing for England in, was actually the the position where he played his best England game. Um, I mean, what a performance that was! Yeah, just incredible. I mean, you know, you 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 look at the narrative and everything. You know, the 2018, the last game at a competitive tournament for England was that semi final against Croatia, and the quote from Calvin afterwards saying, "You know, the last time England were at a tournament, I was sat at home watching it with my mates, and then the the next game three years later, 2021, and he's the one running the show. It's just it's incredible stuff." Uh, I think, you know, any Leeds fan out there, anybody who's watched Calvin Phillips, you know, as, as even had just has a semblance of an idea of his journey to, to this point in his career. You know, it's just absolutely incredible. Like the, it's it's just such a feel good, uh, you know, you could, you could just stop the competition now. I mean, there's, that, that <laughs> there's, the player of the tournament now. there's the player's the player of the tournament. Yeah, I think, I mean, he's going to be in the running for the Ballon d'Or after that. Um, and that's without <laughs> hyperbole. That's, you know, it, it was just... It was so strange. I think I saw a, a tweet from uh, Johnny Cooper um, who said uh, that Calvin Phillips has been caught offside more times at Euro 2020 than he has uh, in three years under Marcelo Bielsa, which kind of <laughs> emphasised just how high up the pitch he was playing. Um, but yeah, I mean, from Connor, from your perspective, what I mean, to, to see him do that, to see a Leeds United player do that on the world stage, not just turn up and be sort of a, a part, but kind of the protagonist, what was well, for you? What's that like? Yeah, it was it was amazing, mate. I mean, I've never really seen it to be honest. I mean, Alan Smith was someone who played obviously in an England shirt and did all right, but I, I just thought how he ran the performance yesterday. And we've seen it so many times for Lee, Leeds, but let's be, let's be honest, we didn't on the on the world stage doing that. I do think he's very different in terms of pressure, in terms of mentality, in terms of everything encompassed than doing that for Leeds United. He's the main man at Leeds, and we haven't really seen that when he's been playing for England. But I just loved the fact that clearly Southgate had said to him, we'll have Declan Rice in the defensive mould and Calvin can be in the more sort of roaming role. And he suits him. And I, I was, oh, mate, I was absolutely bursting with pride. And I'm sure every Leeds fan listening to this would have been. And I was retweeting everything. Mate, Michael Ballack, Nigel Dion. <laughs> you've got all these people tweeting Meza out. Mesut Ozil, don't this. forget. Mesut Ozil, yeah. And I just thought to myself, it's not just us Leeds fans who are recognising this. And obviously mm. the wider scope being the England fans. It's the world, which is absolutely nuts. Mate, I thought it was absolutely fabulous yesterday. I think, you know, you can tell by his, his post-match media duties, you know, he's absolutely grinning from ear to ear. He's got a grin as wide as the Wembley Arches, you know what I mean? And it's because he's just, you know, he's exactly, he's like you or I, you know, he's, he's, just, a, he's just a normal guy who just so happened to, you know, be 
to be playing for England and and obviously in a win you know 10 10 attempts England haven't uh, won their opening game at European Championships and look at that Calvin Phillips turns up that was the that was the difference that was needed wasn't it yeah 100% yeah definitely I mean I just it was the breakup of play it was the intelligence I couldn't believe how calm and composed he was I mean I, I, yeah. say, I, I, I say I couldn't believe it I could believe it because it's Calvin's game but he just he was just dictating everything, wasn't he? And I thought mm. it was so obvious to see the Bielsa regime there as well, because I just saw him run into every single ball, closing the men down, his man down so quickly. Whereas there was points in that England game where sometimes maybe I thought we were a little bit lethargic. We we're letting Croatia get into the game a little bit, but Calvin, he never lost that momentum. No, absolutely not. And I think the one of the things which was just incredible was that he didn't misplace a pass until about the 63rd minute. I mean, that's... You know, you talk about having nerves or like being a bit lethargic on the on the world stage. You know, I think most players probably have been, you know, in in particular in that young England team. And let's not forget, obviously, Calvin's twenty five, but he's still a young player in 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 international terms. He's got fewer than ten caps. He's, you know, he's he's not had the experience of an international tournament before, mm-hmm. and yet he just turned up, and there wasn't uh, there was you know he was on it from minute one. Um, and that's you know that's why he had such a strong start. That's why pretty much half the halftime um, analysis was about how effective he'd been. Um, and it was just yeah, I mean, just scrolling through Twitter on on sort of yesterday afternoon was was incredible because you know it was just full of Leeds fans just going that's that's my boy, you know, that's Calvin Phillips. He's been doing this for years, but not in that position. So, yeah, it was. Um, he, can't, he can't come out though, can he? he can, like you cannot take him out now for me. I mean, oh, after no, no, that, he, after he has to stop. Moment, yeah, yeah I mean. You're Jordan Henderson. You're watching that. You're, you're very conflicted, aren't you? Because mm. Declan Rice also had a very good game. Yeah, and did. you've got to think, well, it worked really well against Croatia. You have to say probably Croatia are, are a stronger side than Scotland. Yeah. Um, so you, you you kind of assume that Scotland are probably going to sit in a little bit deeper. Um, Croatia's yeah, mid- JD, Croatia's midfield as well. Broz- Brozovic, Kovacic. Mod- Luka Bridge. Modric. Yeah. I mean, like, Luka, going toe-to-toe with a Ballon d'Or winner and, you know, Coming out on top? Oh, is it too cheeky to say that? Yeah, I mean, I put on Twitter. I think I took all the phone wallet keys, Brozovic, Kovacic, and Modric <laughs> out when he empties his pockets after the he classic. comes home. The classic meme. Yeah, but no, I just, I think, I, I can't remember who said it, actually. Someone said it in, in the media that could this be the tournament? And, and obviously, we're, we're jumping ahead here a little bit. But could this be the tournament where someone like Calvin Phillips puts his name on the world stage and continues with these consistently very good performance that we see with Leeds United week in, week out. I mean, I put it out, we, we almost take Calvin for granted with his nine out of 10 performances week in, week out for Leeds United. Could we start seeing that transfer onto the international stage? Because if we do, mate, I mean, world is his oyster really, isn't it? Yeah. And and I think, you know, one of the things we love, I think we said this at the beginning of the podcast, you know, one of the things that we love about international tournaments is because they just, they give way to so many interesting stories um, you know, I think yesterday Goran Pandev scoring for North Macedonia as well at, you know, 37, 38 years old. Um, you know, stories like that are, uh, you know, they're really special. Um, and Alioski been at fault for the first goal. We're going to mention that. Or... Well, you know, I think you could have said he was perhaps at fault for the third one as well. But, you know, we... <laughs> we... Position is position's not always been his strong point, has it? It's just bombing no. forward. Yeah, I think I thought it was quite funny actually at that point because he'd actually planted the ball on the six yard box to kind of usher Daniel Bachmann, the Austria goalkeeper, to take the goal kick a bit sooner. So he did. And as a result of that, he was out of position and that <laughs> the the Austrians to go and score again. But, but yeah, on Calvin, I think um 
my my I think my final my final point on him is just just how how humble how calm he was you know um, and that's exactly what you want in a Leeds United player he's a he's a quiet leader he's a I quiet think, leader I think I think to be fair to him as well Jermaine Genus did say that the, and I didn't I, I've never really realised it with with Calvin. I have, but I haven't in a sense. Maybe it's just because it was highlighted a lot more and by a lot more people yesterday. It is the little fouls that he gives away that are really smart, that break up play. Yeah, I think that's what he said. He was cute, yeah. Yeah, and he said he was just, yeah, exactly like he said, he quote on on quote, uh, he was very cute. And I think that's one of the big things that I really noticed yesterday, five or six, where he broke up play when England could have been in a little bit of trouble. And yeah, mate, he was... Head to show. I mean, when they gave the star of the man at the match, sorry, uh, UEFA gave the star of the match to Raheem Stern, I thought that is so lazy. That is, and it's so it was such a shame that Calvin didn't get it on. You know, just recognised as the man of the match. I was gutted, but uh, we all know we all know who, who won that award anyway, don't we? Yeah, he's man of the match in the hearts and minds of everybody who watched that game. Uh, if you know, there was there was a probably a UEFA delegate. I don't know who it was who who clearly watched that went. 1-0, Raheem Sterling scored. Well, he must have been the best player then, um, which we all know is, just isn't true. But, you know, it was a, from an England perspective, it was a clearly a very, a very, very good game, very good result. Um, and, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the, the starting eleven that, that Southgate goes with, with uh, against Scotland. Okay, chaps, shall we move on to the transfer window? Uh, obviously, the window opened on the 9th of June. Do you reckon Victor Orta likes this month? No, he said as much on the, on a previous uh, media appearance that he did not um, did not like this month. It was a very stressful time and it was just very difficult to, to get things over the line. So, And to be honest, I can see why, because you, you can imagine him sort of for 10, 11 hours of the day fielding calls and kind of being told one thing, then being sold down the river and the next. And, you know, it's probably a... Very much a, a smoke and mirrors business for him, um, so it'll probably be, uh, you know, punctuated with your, your, your fair bit of frustration as well as the the elation when you do manage to sign a player. Um, I think it's 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 an interesting time because obviously Leeds do have money to spend. Um, there's squad places that need to be filled now that Berardi and, and Hernandez have gone, um, and we know that the club will do business. So it's, I mean. F- I'm going to turn the question on its head essentially and go from Victor Orta to, to the fans and, and for us. But I think it's it's reason to be sort of quite optimistic that there will be a similar summer, if not to the same extent, a similar-ish summer to, to last year in terms of players that will be brought in, I think. Yeah, I think there's a there's an element of, tr- well, there's the heck of a lot of trust as well behind Victor now, especially, especially with what he did last summer. I thought it was absolutely... Superb, really. Some of the names that he brought in, obviously Rafinha being the the standout. I mean, uh, I guess we've just got to trust his recruitment, haven't we? Because it's been brilliant so far. Yeah, of course we have. I mean, it's been it's been brilliant for a little while now, hasn't it? I think um, he's he's ridden the uh, the rough waters of that twenty seventeen window when he first came in, and the likes of Wasim Boy did come in, and he actually spoke quite fondly of, of Alioski, of who I think was actually his first ever signing for Leeds. Um, so he didn't get everything wrong in that first window. But yeah, I mean, you can't argue with the hit rate. I mean, maybe we can talk about it separately, but Augustine does stand out as, right now, it looks like one of the, the more expensive errors he may have made. But um, I know that the Leeds are very, very confident on that case. And um, I know some Leeds fans have obviously been a little bit concerned after 
FIFA's first instance uh, judgment, but there's a long way to go in that yet. And that will go to the Court of Arbitration for Sport and Leeds are very, very confident with their paperwork. Um, so apart from apart from that, it has actually been been a pretty good sort of few windows really for victory. And like you say, that first window before coming into the Premier League was especially superb. All four of those names have come in and uh, injuries aside, have done brilliantly. Um, it does really fill you with confidence looking ahead to what might be on the radar for Leeds because got a little bit of stick off of Villa fans uh, for a piece I wrote on Buendia across the weekend. Um, I mean, I don't think that's actually been confirmed yet, but I mean, every man and his dog is saying it's pretty much done for 33 million. Leeds got Rafinha and Cock for less than that, which, you know, I'm not saying Buendia is a bad deal. I think it will be a perfectly fine deal. You know, I'm not saying he's going to be a bad player for Villa. I think it'd be very good, but I'm just looking at the, the basic numbers monetary wise. And the math shows that Leeds have got two players, two very, very good players for less. So it, it does fill you with more confidence what might be to come. Um, Victor has made some really, really positive sounds in recent weeks about being a custodian at the club and and he does not want to leave the club in in a, a poor financial situation when he does ride off into the sunset eventually. So he's not going to be doing any deals um, on credit or on finance and paying them off years down the line. Um, so they will try and drive a, a good deal. And I think it's just the way of the world that those better deals will will come from abroad in terms of um, in terms of transfer value. How many do you think we need, Baron, altogether in terms of signings? For me personally, I'd say no more than three. Really, I mean, I think the squad's in a really really good place. We've obviously lost Berardi, Hernandez, and from what I understand, Alioski really really does want to stay, and he's had really positive conversations with with Victor and Angus. But it, it comes down to his age and, and earning potential, really, and. This is going to be the last big contract of his of his career, so it is. It's a very complex situation because when fans hear that, well, if he wants to stay, why doesn't he just stay? You know, it seems a very very simple thing, but there's just so many more factors going going on, and it's it's easy for us to sit here and say, well, if he wants to stay, he can stay. Um, there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of things going on. You, you hear things from three or four different sources, and you have to kind of make up your own mind as to what what's the real truth. Um, so if, if if he goes and that's that's three slots immediately and Bielsa is very tight in the squad. I mean that that's the big thing here, is you know all the rumor mill sort of link, leads with all these players. But yeah, Bielsa does not want a big squad. You know if you want players to come in, players have got to leave. And I think the only ones that that haven't gone that you could see feasibly going would be Costa or Casilla. And I just don't think inside the club thinks the same way we all do because it's our job to kind of pick holes in these things and to debate them until the cows come home. And as as much as unimpressed as I am with Hal Costa, I just don't think the club sees it that way. You know, I think the club sees a project. He's got several more years on his contract. They've paid out pretty decent money to Wolves for him. And they're not going to chuck away players and discard players for nothing because, you know, I've said this about Alioski for the last two years is that you just move him on. He's not good enough. And they, but they stand by their players. And, you know, I think it just points to the fact he has got a lot of faith in this group of players, regardless of what the outside noise says. I think they see a lot of potential in Costa as they do in Roberts and think that there's still there's still enough to work with there to keep him on. And I think Casilla, you know, Bielsa's made his feelings on Casilla quite clear, hasn't he? He loves Casilla. He really respects Casilla, what, what he has done on and off the field, especially with Melier. So as much as we think that's an easy fix, you know, I could easily see Casilla staying as well. So I think you are... You're, for me, I would, I would look at three because the squad's in a really good place. Yeah, and obviously we've been linked to a few left backs over the past month who could obviously compete with Jani, dependent on what happens there. Javi Galan, I know we've spoken about him before, Baron. Is there any more insight there? 
No, I mean, it's only been a couple of days since we spoke. Um, we know that, that Leeds like Galan, Orta, of course, has watched watched many players for many years. So, you know, Galan is not somebody that's just freshly onto his radar because um, because a certain few websites have mentioned his name and brought him up for him. They do like him. He, he They feel he would definitely fit Bielsa's system, which I think fits in with a lot of the analysis that, that Joe and a lot of other websites have, have looked at in terms of uh, Galan's underlying numbers. Um, but we're led to believe there's, there's another one, an unnamed target who hasn't, we're led to believe, been named anywhere yet, who actually is further along and they feel has got a better chance. So, we're not ruling Galan out, but we're just saying that right now in early June, approaching mid-June, Galan is not somebody they think that will happen ahead of another target that they are going after. And and Roman Perot is, is another one, um, which was linked several months ago, which which was very accurate. I mean, Perot is somebody they have looked at and was, was higher up the list a few months back, but has dropped down now. For whatever reason, they, they feel that he's probably even less likely than Galan or this unnamed top target who they believe is is is, is ticking along quite nicely. The, the, they're similar players and that tells you that Leeds are looking at a very specific type of, of fullback that they want to bring in. Um, I think the thing, I wrote something this week about um, how this season, you know, Luke Ayling has been fantastic about, you know, carrying the ball forwards and, and has been very good at that. Uh, and Alioski has been, you know, while he's been pretty middle of the road, there's been a, a, a great disparity between him and Ailing. We we hear all the time in in Bielsa's press conferences, he, he refers to to unbalancing teams. Um, he loves to use that word unbalanced. And if 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 we're being brutally honest, in terms of having a ball carrier on either side, uh, at, uh, either side of defence, Leeds don't have that at the moment. Um, they've got one, a very strong one in in Ailing, but not and not one in Alioski. And I think that, that Galan does fit. I think he's he's a player who um, it would be interesting to see how he'd adapt uh, to, to Leeds because a lot of his a lot of his dribbling, a lot of his a lot of his ball carrying, a lot of his take ons, they are in sort of his own half in in the space just over the halfway line, and maybe not in the final third because you know at, at, at Leeds you're going to be expected to, to to lock that entire flank down. I think he's definitely a player that that uh, you know I, I echo what Baron says. I think you know if if you're looking at how some other clubs do their business and how they do their recruitment, you'd be thinking, oh, I wonder why we're going for this player. It's a bit more scattergun, whereas Leeds is, is very refined. It's very specific. And that says to me that this is a recruitment department which has a, a player profile in mind rather than a name or a, um, or something or, or something a bit more glamorous. It's it's it, it, it ensures that you buy good players who are going to fit into the system that the manager wants. It's about having that alignment from sort of the boardroom level to the recruitment department, to the coaching staff, uh, and all being sort of singing from the same hymn sheet. So, yeah, I think Galan in particular, um, obviously, just looking at his obviously his numbers and his games, it's uh, it's one that, that certainly makes sense. That's what, that's what I'll say. Well, guys, that was the first episode of the Blue, White and Yellow. Fellas, have you enjoyed it? Yeah, lots to work on, isn't there? We'll, uh, we'll get better and better by the week. But um, no, no, it's been great. I think, like you say, we've Leeds Live, you know, Joe and I have, have, have Joe Mewis and I have, have done a podcast in the past and we just didn't find the time to keep it going. But obviously with you guys on board, we've got a lot more resource to kind of to get a podcast off the ground. And obviously we're hoping, as I'm sure you'll allude to, we're hoping to kind of keep this regular now at least one episode a week. Um, through the summer and obviously into, into next season when you guys will be back inside the stadiums. So, yeah, I mean, it feels like the perfect time, doesn't it, really? I know it's uh, a joke about it earlier. It's obviously there's a lot of brilliant Leeds podcasts, but hopefully we can find our own little corner and um, and you guys will like listening.
Yeah, absolutely. It's been good to blow blow away the cobwebs a little bit um, and and have a little bit of a lengthy chat. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been good to to chew the fat over a few things and just looking forward to the Euros and fans getting back in stadiums and, and next season essentially. Guys, as well, you can check out our newsletter, which gets delivered free to your inbox if you sign up at Live Leeds United. It is the pinned tweet. So make sure you check that out. We will be back every Monday with this podcast. Very exciting times. If you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star rating on all of your podcast providers. That would be much appreciated. Thank you so much, guys, and we will catch you next week. Cheers.